0: Hello.
1: John, welcome.
0: Wilson, how are you doing, man?
1: So good. Welcome aboard. Yes. It's so good to have you. So, the rules of the game. First rule there are no rules. I like that. Second rule never break rule one. Very, very strict, authoritarian. Yeah. Type shit. that's good yeah we, yeah we're in the personal journals and diaries section of the podcast world and so no holds barred i'm really just collecting personal testimonies of people from around the world because i feel like you almost can't learn anything from someone saying this is the truth Because immediately you're like, okay, well, what is that person's truth? Like, what's their point of view? So if I say, to heck with truth, no truth allowed, only point of view, then people have to go and find at least one other point of view on whatever topic is being discussed. And then they have their own thing. They're triangulating their own kind of truth. So that's the first kind of thing, is it doesn't matter what we talk about. It's just about you being yourself. And then the second thing is I'm thinking about who we're making this for. And I think I'm realizing that it is the type of program that I want my like child students to be able to listen to with their parents. You know what I'm saying? Like parental, parental guidance suggested, like we're in the PG 13 kind of like, this is, you know, uh, tween, tween and young teenagers in the presence of their parents Maybe learning some new things about the world, just in terms of the fact that there's different kinds of adults out there that think different kinds of things and have, uh, you know, conflicting points of view that can coexist. Yeah. Because we all need some of that. That's not just for kids. Right now, the world is going crazy, it's on fire. We need some some understanding we need some coexistence up
0: in her yeah that's good for me because see i'm i'm notoriously bad at making up my mind when it comes to narratives and viewpoints i'm uh i'm very much the type to like i'll consider anything you know right and basically i mean from the most ordinary to the most crazy I'll, I'll give it a listen and be like, yeah, that sounds right. And then even, even things that contradict each other. It's like, I take in all of these things and then I'm uh I'm, 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 I have a hard time like closing out possibilities, which had, which is like a blessing and a curse, you know? Right. Right. Cause, um, cause I learn a lot that way, but sometimes it gets confusing for myself, but uh, yeah, mm. especially in a time like this, um, I've, I'm almost having feeling like this is a situation that forces us to let go of knowing what's going on. Oh geez. Yeah. Cause you just can't. And, and it's like, I mean, I've been driving myself crazy just trying to understand what is even happening and what to expect. And, uh, and, and you can't, and it's kind of like, it's like, uh, you know, it's Chinese finger traps yeah. You have to like relax to get out of it. And that's that's kind of what I'm feeling with just trying to even understand any of this. It's like a crash course on letting go of that. Because there's such a multiplicity of you know, ways to see everything.
1: I agree. I mean it really it really is like uh the moment of free fall when a car has driven off of a bridge and it's like we all kind of we're still very tightly gripping the steering wheel trying to steer our cars through midair
0: <laughs> yeah
1: up until it feels to me up until about like sometime late in the day like two days ago at least in terms of people that I've been talking to
0: yeah for sure I mean we're I don't think anybody knows how much we can use what we've had at our disposal in the past right? To try to work with everything. Or if every <laughs> solution attempt or, or, you know, every solution avenue that we know from the past isn't valid anymore. and And even that in itself makes finding the solution kind of impossible because, you know, is anything that used to work still going to work? We don't know. Maybe, maybe not right should we try it if we try it are we wasting the time that we should be trying something new so it's yeah it's 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 a free fall
1: yeah yeah i think this is the first time for me in my adult life that i have seen the whole world engaged in the conversation of okay now everything is on the chopping block yeah and i won i wonder if it's anything like when 911 happened for maybe people who are 15, 20, 25 years older than us cuz i feel like at least in gainesville, southern college town i felt like in the early part of me being here in the in the 200s times yeah. there was this community of socially active, real kind of punk rock grassroots people who seemed very mobilized. And to me, looking at that situation, looking at that time period as a high schooler who was a very young child when 9-11 happened and when all of these changes to our lifestyle and to our security and to our privacy started happening, I kind of saw it as like, oh yeah, that's punk rock. That's this thing that's been around for decades. It's this part of the human... Spirit that makes you want to rage against institutions, but it's like, no, it's the thing that was already there and these galvanizing events that happen. Um, so I don't know what, what do you feel like you've had any kind of paradigm shifts or seen paradigm shifts in other people as a result of this conversation that we're having?
0: Yeah, yeah, a ton. I mean, um, it's hard to know where to start. I mean. Yeah, I don't have the scope for 911 because when that happened I was I would have been 6 years old. Right. Just about to turn 7. I knew it was bad because you know, obviously that's all that came across to me, but I didn't care. I was a kid. I just like went and played my video games as a little 6-year-old. old mm-hmm. Um so I mean but what I'm getting at is that I still get the sense that this is far bigger than that and just kind of the far reaching I mean this seems like a magnified version of that or a, or a slow motion version of it because it's stretched out right. so much more time it's affecting everybody so much more instead of just one country you know it's it's all countries um, I you know there's a couple of paradigm shifts that have been in my mind one thing is that I don't think in my adult life that I've ever seen the whole global consciousness involved in the same thing in this way. And that's really interesting, even if it is this, you know, what's seen as this huge crisis. But, uh, but, but it's interesting. It's, it's like, we do have this impulse to work together for something that's not a war. And I've never seen that happen on a global scale. That seems new. And that seems mobilized by the internet because I don't know if you could have a global consciousness like that before, you know, every every average citizen could communicate across the planet the way that we can now. Um, you know, another another thing that it's made me think about is how do I put it? I guess um, our reliance on this this huge system that kind of was never stress tested, you know, and especially the way that we rely on other countries and stuff, the way that everything that we need was so wrapped up with China and lots of other countries. And it's kind of been okay ever since World War II for the last uh, yeah 75 years or so, but uh, it's never really been stress tested. And I think it was something that looked really secure but was really like made of glass, it was ready to shatter at any time, and I think what people are getting hit with right now is realizing like all that stuff that you thought was normal for the last seventy five years like that's that's not normal at all. that's just what it was like for those seventy five years Oh yeah, I mean, but like, more about that yeah, all these assumptions we have of like this you know you can go to the store any day and get this thing and you press the food button on amazon and you have your food and and we just got so we're so used to all that stuff that it's it's a paradigm shift in itself to just realize that none of that stuff is a guarantee and i don't think mm. we're to deal with that large scale yet
1: Right, which is so interesting. It's like, despite all the bickering, the real thing that must happen is that humanity will increase its ability to deal with a global pandemic in some kind of way. Like, there's yeah. no way for anybody to justify not doing that. And that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, um, I mean, I think one of our biggest skills is adaptation. And I think adaptation is unpredictable, you know? So mm. we're, we're, I think we're definitely going to adapt to this and come out the other end better prepared for this kind of thing. But we don't know what that's going to look like because, I mean, that's the thing about adaptation. It, it's spontaneous. So I don't know. Some kind of new system or new paradigm is going to have to come out of this, and we can only arrive at it collectively collectively.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting too, because to me, the the most important thing that's happening is just that there's an emotional story that everybody on the whole globe is engaged in on some level. And so it's almost like just everybody knowing this story and kind of having their place and thinking about it as something that does involve everyone just knowing that kind of changes the whole species in the same way that it must have changed the whole species to know that there was more land on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, or at least the the whole community of humans on the one set of continents. Yeah, yeah. Must have immediately thought of themselves differently cause it's because now it's like, wait a minute. So you told me that if i got into debt servitude bondage that i was stuck because there's only this land now i find out that there is this whole place that's outside the jurisdiction of any society that i even know about and that's like whoa
0: <laughs> right right yeah it's something on that scale the the amount of uh Yeah, just the way that things are going to be shaken up and like how we see our possibilities and the different avenues that are open to people. Yeah,
1: absolutely. For me, it's also, it's, it's shown me that even though there are these weird institutional shells that seem to feed off of people's indifference and fear. Those institutions are still filled with people who wanted to do that career because they wanted to have a positive impact. Like there are people who kind of just get stuck in situations, but most people at some level on at some point in their story have this moment where it's like, "Oh, I want to serve humanity, so I'm going to do this thing." And it's kind of like, here's our opportunity, like here's our supervillain, here's our alien invasion. Finally yeah. it's kind of like you know now that we have a superman sized problem, we can realize that we all are Superman in terms of
0: fixing our own issues yeah you know i've been I've been pretty surprised for the most part that I'm not i mean you know everyone is seeing different uh different surroundings and different people around them, but in my experience, man, I really haven't seen people being too like rough to each other. Like I feel this general feeling of we're all in this together. I do think people have the inclination to to help each other if if they feel stable and if they feel looked after then the next thing we want to do is is to sort of cooperate to work with us together because I mean that is the only way. This this kind of shake up can't even uh be gotten through at all if everyone is trying to work individually and and there's no cooperation and I think we know that and I think people have been really cynical about cooperation on a large scale But, but but I think it's possible and I think something like this is our chance to start seeing more in other people and and you know come up with yeah collective solution a way that everyone's working together on a scale that wouldn't have been possible in the past
1: yeah absolutely I mean it's dangerous in a good way like it's dangerous in terms of life as we know it changing forever because it kind of is at least for me from growing up I was like, oh, okay, it's the 90s, it's the explosion of the internet and everybody has access to everybody else in this chat rooms and this thing. So what that means is that by the time I am old, there will be this different kind of society where all of humanity is looking after one another. But it, has, it took an entire generation coming and going to have people not just look at the internet as a tool to continue doing what the old media did, because there was no way to involve everybody in, you know, old cable, old radio. There was, you know, logistically, it was just impossible. And so, of course, it was just a tool to be used, you know, by the people who had access to it. Totally. Now it's impossible to restrict access to it, which if, you're, if you have the old mentality, is just like, okay, great. That just means everybody's hooked into my system and I can feed them a message that sells them a thing. But it's like I think there are more and more people now, especially of our generation and people who are younger, who will try. They try to get into that like old paradigm of, okay, I'm going to get control of this system and then extract resources. And I think people are just like, I don't know. The morality of humanity is different since we have always known what it's like to see people from China, Bangladesh. South Korea on our YouTube screens in their kitchens doing the same thing we do. Right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of something that has to get in at the development level.
0: Yeah. I see what you mean. I mean, yeah. Growing up with that kind of experience is massively different than being introduced to as an adult. Yeah. I do feel like, I mean, I, I feel like the current way how do I want to say it? I mean, the way that we use the internet now to connect in this, what's really a grassroots way and individual to individual and, you know, we're, we're bypassing the middleman, the, the broadcasting companies for the most part. And I didn't really, I feel like that has mostly exploded since maybe 2014, 2015. Yeah. You no, know, i mean there was little hints of it before that but uh you know i mean and that, and that would line up with as you're saying that's about one generation after the internet first yeah. stage but um
1: yeah that's true because it was the tipping point maybe was like you know the peak of the early 2000s boy band girl band pop product you know maybe that was Kind of the end of a wave and then the undercurrent, the beginning wave after that was like the YouTube star, the Vine star, yeah. the uh, DIY indie artist, you know, metric, um, you know, and now we have like Billie Eilish even who kind of, you know, is still part of that system. But the story the narrative. There's room for this kind of under underdog grassroots internet star where that is, you know, there wasn't a story for that. There wasn't a template for that. I agree before like 2014, 15.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's only the last five years or so that most of our celebrities now, especially new celebrities come from YouTube or SoundCloud, you know, in terms of musicians or, or whatever else. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think we're just up against this huge, Um, inflection point between the old and the new I think I mean I think what really is not going to be able to survive this is all the old ways of thinking the old types of institutions which makes me think about especially in media like makes me think about CNN BBC Uh and Fox News and all these kind of you know and whatever else it doesn't matter if it's left or right leaning or or anything it's just all this stuff that is how we've thought about you know the authority in quote marks in the last several decades that's all an old way of thinking and um, yeah I mean I think I think the people that are going to do all right in this current uh, whatever's happening is people that have moved on and that are ready for a new kind of world a new way of thinking, I think people that cling to the old are not going to have such a good time. Right. And the scary part about that is that we don't really know what the new is yet because no one's ever seen it before, but you know, the old is not the way to go. So we got to try. Absolutely. Man.
1: What, what's to me is, I can. it's like I'm looking at it and it's dawning on me but I think the real effects of it are just going to be huger than I can really picture and that is that like 2020 what happened was we saw all of these CEOs sell out of their own companies in like January because they were like oh no there's going to be an economic recession because of inflation and predictable forces that we know about that's going to happen the end of this year that's already happening on top of that there's this viral pandemic and so there's this process of people basically getting to the end of this game that we hadn't seen the end of yet it's like what you know what happens when the corporate world becomes trillions of dollars richer than the u.s government essentially wins the game like beats the beats its own government at monopoly and people start people start selling out at the end of that but it's like there's no way to sell out at the end of that because then you realize like oh no you have all the money yeah well they had to turn themselves into these driving forces you know like a Steve Jobs had to become a Steve Jobs had to create a company that could never be the same without him you know yeah so then it's like well hold on like these people basically totally remove themselves from being able to relate to humanity they create a company that can't survive without them And then they sell out. And no matter how good their intentions are, no matter what they say, no matter how much they're like, I'm going to start a charity, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. No matter what, immediately after they leave, their own employees who got them where they are, are going to suffer because the price of all of these companies, the value of all these companies immediately goes down when the CEOs leave. And by the way, the CEOs are very smart, and so they leave on a certain Point of the wave where they can insulate themselves from that, yeah, thing. But it's like what that means is that now we're in a time where it's a really bad look to look rich. I there's a sales guru guy on Instagram that I watch, um, just to kind of keep an eye on this other mindset. His name's Grant Cardone. He's like a real estate. He's like one of these like mad money like. Investing,
0: wasn't he like just that. on on London Real today? You know that show. I don't, but that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, it's a great interview show, but yeah, keep going. I think I, his name just showed up on my screen today, yeah. so that kind of stuck out. Okay,
1: very interesting. Well, basically, there was a point where he changed from he was always wearing suits to now he dresses like Gary Vaynerchuk. Now he's like a uh, beard, hoodie, t-shirt, like this <laughs> yeah. guy yeah. Who, was, who was the symbol of this whole thing where it's like we're going to buy... Uh, high-rise apartment buildings, we're going to gentrify neighborhoods, we're going to raise rents, and we're not going to apologize for it. Even that guy is now wearing a sweatshirt because he understands that it's becoming physically dangerous (laughs) to look like a quote-unquote rich person because what you look like is somebody who is trying to go back to an old time where it was easier to take advantage of poor people than it is now, where popular opinion has to change because it's harder to hide the suffering that's caused by some of these large institutions.
0: Yeah, the whole image is changing, isn't it? Because, I mean, I think we're past the days of when, you know, the picture of what everyone wanted to be like was, you know, a big wig with a suit and had the dollar bank account and the mansion and stuff. It's like, I don't really, I don't think that's really what most people care about, I mean, maybe ever, but now that's not even like the narrative that we're, you know, shown is, it? I think we know that that's not really a attainable for most people or b the point. Right. Mm.
1: Yeah, very true. Yeah. It's, you know, the, I've heard a lot of people say that, oh, the postmodern era, this mm. thing that happened on the kind of back end of this wave of prosperity that happened in the mid 20th century in north america like the uh i've heard people say that it's oh gosh i'm losing it uh
0: wow weird just came and went it'll come back well, to me anyway it seems to me yeah, like <laughs> i kind of feel like the postmodern. Movement kind of comes from, like once you have everything, then it's kind of like, okay, what now? Yeah, yeah. We're getting to yeah, we're getting to yeah. There's no master narrative anymore because we've
1: gotten to the end of it. Yeah, which is what it. Yeah, and it's like for, it's to, you're getting me the last little
0: thank you. <laughs> mm, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's like a stagnation basically. Is, I mean, I think that philosophy right, came right. out of like, well, shit, everyone in this country is already like, we have everything we have, we're in charge of everything, you know, that we got the big companies, we're all rich. And it's kind of like, we've been operating on this whole game, which was that we had to keep going until we got here. Right. And then now that we've Uh got here, we have to keep playing that game because that's, that's the engine. And so now, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah it's kind of like we for a while I don't know how long two or three decades maybe or something but we have been sort of operating on this illusion of growth and progress because we have to because that's like that's what everything is built upon and and so we've just been kind of like convincing ourselves that it's always gonna keep going to keep growing, always going to keep getting moving forward, blah blah blah. And I'm talking about like, I don't know, the economy or, or technology, right. whatever. I mean, obviously, technology continues to to advance publicly, but you know, I just mean this growth mindset. You can't do that forever. And uh, I think we got into a pattern of making up growth. that's how we operated and yeah I mean another effect of this current situation is that we're going to see that that's not going to last forever you know eventually we're going to have to get back to priorities of making things that are going to be sustainable long term and not like always getting ready for the next big thing the next upturn the next profit whatever it might be Absolutely, I
1: have never been more excited about planting
0: plants. Yes, dude, I just <laughs> I just started gardening for the first time in my life, oh, like yeah. uh, like three weeks ago. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, man, I started thinking I was like, dude, maybe it's not a guarantee that Publix will always have what you need. Oh yeah,
1: I think that who anybody <laughs> anybody selling. Fruit trees probably is doing just fine yes. in, the, in
0: the quarantine. Absolutely. Yeah, and well, you know, that really reminds me of something I was thinking about earlier, which is that I think one result of all this has to be that people go back to smaller and more local, um, not just agriculture, but um, you know, production in general, I think we're realizing that we can't build this house of cards on getting our resources from China from stuff that was you know harvested here and then shipped over there to get processed cheap and then shipped back over here you know and and all these kind of these huge convoluted systems we've made to distribute things and very complicated global systems where now we're learning that if anything goes wrong or if, you know, if that machine gets something stuck in the cogs, then we got a big problem. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's making people realize that it's like, you have to take responsibility for that stuff a little more. And if, if you want food, like you got to grow your food maybe, or start, you know, finding people in your community that are growing food or, you know, whatever it is. But, um, you know, we, yeah, we need to start creating stuff in smaller groups and more, uh, more locally based because that's going to be a lot more um, resilient in the long run. Absolutely.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, There's a tradition that is only going to become a tradition when we do it right now, because the first time that it happened was just the other day. Yeah. But I asked uh, Jacob Fieldheim when he was on the show, I was like, what chord are we on right now? Like, can you do the Roman numeral analysis of this moment mm-hmm. in human history? And, you know, the beginning of the song or the end of the, you know, you can decide where you're going to slide the start point and end point in terms of like, oh, you know, the beginning is the new century, or it's the millennium or it's what have you. But answer that question whatever way you see fit. And I've got an instrument here in front of me. I don't know if you do, but I can, you know, this can get really detailed. Hmm.
0: I feel like we're on a big Lydian dominant pad on on the high notes, but there's no root. Whoa no we're not and, and and it's not just a triad we don't know what the inversion is you can't quite tell what key you're in right so there's right. a there's right. a mysterious right. kind of bright sound but there's no root there's no basis we're not quite sure yeah yeah some even even more. there we
1: go cuz that's a little like it's it is it is bright but it's not I agree that it's not so much it doesn't want to be so augmented sounding it's like still kind of yeah it's like, like
0: it's like ah. ef sharp b flat d
1: It's
0: <laughs> a little closer <laughs> to that
1: Yeah cuz that makes it cuz it is it's twink it's twinkly it kind of feels like there's this unpredictably growing resonance within it
0: Yeah yeah, And it's pulling you to something, but you can't hear where it's going to resolve. Right. Yeah, so that's what Cor we're on. Definitely.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. And that's, that's a common thing that uh, Jacob said. He put it in a really interesting way because he kind of made me see it like a, a wave that is, that is breaking and folding in on itself. And so he was like, it is a uh, C chord, like at the end of a Beethoven piece where it's like, we've already gone with the, like, pre, like, we've gone pre- We're going to hit the
0: one. Hang on, you're, you're breaking I up for a sec. Second.
1: Come back. Someone, I, I had a call come in. Yeah.
0: Um, but
1: he was saying that what he hears the moment as, is there's are in the bass. But we're still on like some yeah. kind of a G up here. You know, we're, but expecting some kind of like resolution, you know, but we're at, the, we're at the moment where it's like, yeah, like the bottom of the wave has broken and crested already. And we're like, we're, we're here, but then there's stuff still settling. Like it felt like there was dust.
0: The way he just... yeah that's a good take on it it's got a lot of tension yeah. i just uh i i hear it with with less of a less right of a, yeah. yeah that's cool
1: that's so cool so, uh
0: on board yeah.
1: More
0: yeah exactly that's a great tradition i hope that every guest tells you what oh, Yeah. We're on. well
1: what's cool is that everyone to begin with will answer the question differently conceptually but then everyone also understands music theory different even under even people who are all you know educated went to music school whatever think about music theory that way you still kind of settle into your own vibe and kind of forget what you don't use so it is it's really interesting to hear how people yeah. describe it
0: Yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah. Well cool man. Well tell me like what's your daily workflow like? I think a lot of people are finding new rhythms to hold up in their houses and I know that you're someone who already takes into account your daily rhythm and thinks about it a lot. So what's it like now?
0: Yeah, totally. Well, a big thing is that um my <laughs> my path has changed a little bit recently because I, you know, I've been doing gigs for a living. I was living off of uh, playing out weddings, bars, you know, events, all that kind of stuff. And obviously all of that is right. gone now. So I started thinking about, about work, you know, thinking, okay, I don't have gigs anymore. That was my job. And um, so something I got into is my, well, my older brother got me into this, but he's actually a coder and he got me to start learning oh, coding. I do that too. <laughs> yeah, and it's been really cool so far. And uh so really the last couple of weeks I've taken a break from music in a big way and have have been doing this coding thing and I'm enjoying it for engaging a different part oh, of my cool. mind.
1: I'm excited to see where that goes for you because I have a couple friends who have studied both like i have a friend thomas royal here in gainesville who i can't remember what his specific science background is but he's like electrical engineering or some kind of software maybe or something like that and then also he's a phd yeah. composition person and so he yes yeah, so wow, he's cool. like making computer programs where you play You play certain notes into the computer and then it like feeds data into this like light apparatus that he made that like spins and makes different colors and then it's like processing the sound it's like really really heady and cool stuff and it's like when you get interdisciplinary like that you start you get into completely innovative territory very fast because it's stuff that just you know no one else has the tools to do stuff like that
0: yeah uh, yeah that's very cool. You know. I was just thinking today about um about procedural music which is which is similar to that. I just had the idea today i was I was like, I wonder what different ways you could you know write a web page or an app that would create music you know based on any type of parameters like based on the weather or based on uh you know, what's on TV today or based on, you know, a paragraph of text right. you put yeah. in, but I think it could be fun to to play with all these different ways that you could um, turn something that's not music into music. Oh, right. That's very interesting. But, but that could be a very cool interdisciplinary project. You know, I've always had an interest in astrology and I thought it would be cool to make like a live webpage page. That plays a piece of music based on where all the planets are. (laughs) That'd be kind of cool, right? (laughs) Yeah, that'd be amazing.
1: And that's such a cool thinking about that in spans of thousands of years as like what's the what's the basic human instinct, the ancient instinct that's being indulged there? And it's like I think we want to use music to like harmonize with each other. So it's like when the whole family gets together and we all sing, it's like at the beginning. When everyone's voices are getting warmed up like you might hear in someone's voice a little bit of distress you might hear they're a little fatigue you might hear that someone's feeling joyful and so you receive that information but then you all kind of harmonize together and at the end everybody is singing with this full light voice and so it's like everyone checks in and then everyone kind of harmonizes but now we have a culture that's too big to you know the whole world can't sing together yeah, until, until this howling at the moon at 8 o'clock thing yeah. catches on and then it adjusts for time zones and then the whole human race is all howling together at once. Until we get to that point, it's like, yeah, we want things that can be like, okay, what's on the news? What's the weather like? What's something that the whole race is experiencing? And how can I just get a little piece of that vibe?
0: Yeah, dude, if I write the app the right way, then we'll always know what chord we're on. The tradition will have an answer. That's so cool, yeah. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, um, and man, I mean, when a lot of people are making music together, especially when it's improvisatory, I've always kind of felt like the initial stages, the warm-up can be you know, sometimes, you know, a little awkward or not quite the flow mm-hmm. that you're looking for, but it takes time. It's, uh, it takes, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes of playing together and then some kind of mutual, you know, frequency gets struck. You have something magical happening, but you know, if, uh, if a couple of people improvising together starts out, without a flow, then the whole world singing together, it's going to take a little while, but, uh, but it doesn't mean we can't do it, you know?
1: Yeah. I want to talk about that flow, that moment when the, when the warmup is done and two people are improvising or two or more people are improvising together. And yeah, it's kind of amorphous where that moment happens, but I agree. It's like a mutual flow state that is reached. And, I don't know, talk
0: about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh I mean it's tough. It's elusive. And uh it's sometimes you don't get it. I mean, I've I've spent whole hours playing with someone where it never right. quite felt right. Um, and you know, it's and, and sometimes it just falls right in right away. It depends on who you're working with, but you know, what the circumstances are, how everyone's mm-hmm. feeling.
1: Yeah, I, uh, go
0: ahead. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's elusive though, but when it happens, it, it, it almost, it happens when no one is trying too hard. It unfolds with some kind of letting go, some kind of, you know, surrender instead of anyone trying to take control of it. It happens by itself. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and
1: it's, I don't know, it's almost like it's easiest to talk about anything in these times in terms of music because since it's rooted in a physical experience, the physical experience of hearing and feeling dissonance and resolution in the air around you, it's kind of like it's harder for that experience to get poisoned. And so I I was reading, or I was listening to the audio book um, Andrew Yang's book, "The War on Normal People," and he talks about uh, mean bosses, and he says that the the money system, yeah. the financial system of a culture, basically determines how easy it is for somebody to be essentially a bad leader. You know, if it if there is yeah, if it's only sure, yeah. connections and ex and quote unquote experience that. Get that make people legitimate, then it's easier for those people to mistreat people, to disobey these fundamental kind of unspoken laws of just politeness with people. And in music, it's like, it's hard because it's either you're playing too loud or you're not. And I mean, even someone who doesn't know music can listen to something and be like, oh, well, I can only hear this. It's like, it's so close to these very deep truths. And so I wonder if that's maybe something that artists have to do right now is like it used to be that people who worked in insurance offices, like the person who started the firm really cared about insurance, really wanted people to be able to have their little nuclear family and their American dream. And he's like, this is how I can do it. I can give people insurance so that they don't have to interrupt their lives. And there's passion. And then it's like, oh, that's a strong leader. And you want to be like that leader and you want to stay with the company and be loyal because there's a community there. And I feel like now that's it's I mean, that's foreign to think about that is just completely, you know, there's no the bosses aren't incentivized in the same way to treat people well. And then employees aren't incentivized in the same way to be loyal so it's like you know they know they're only going to know each other for a short time so the relationship deteriorates which if you have some other root in your life like playing music or like some people's spiritual practice or their meditation practice is this where you go and you get back in touch with your nature then you're cool but I think that we might be in a situation where huge swaths of the population something like a quarantine like this happens and they just have nothing to hold on to because they're like, well, the, the, the strongest institution in my life is the job that I have and they maybe aren't supporting me so well right now, or maybe I don't have a good relationship with them because the boss isn't kind of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole, I think the whole system you know, how earlier we were thinking about this this whole thing of the illusion of growth and that it was just had to be self-perpetuating because that's how we operated. And I think that that leaves so much room for right. authenticity, And I think that's the crux of what you're saying is like for the last couple of decades, we've built a system where if you're like part of part of that world if you're working in offices or finance or whatever well you can't really be authentic you have to be a part of that world and and you know music and and the arts when it's done well is a place where Mm -hmm. where you have to be you can't hide and I think it's really important for us to have areas where you can't hide you know avenues where what you see is what you get. I and actually that reminds me of the difference between the old and new media. You know, that's the difference between CNN, Fox News, and BBC versus you know podcasts and and watching your favorite thinkers mm-hmm. on YouTube and stuff. Is that you can't hide. It's it's authentic. It's it's just one to one. And so anyway, what I'm getting at is that I think this whole situation is going to force us to bring that in on a bigger scale. People are seeing through some of that stuff more than ever before. We're seeing that like a lot of us have been duped into this illusion of not even realizing that we weren't being authentic or not even realizing that. I was going to work and, like, playing a character all day. And, um, and yeah, I think we're being forced into a situation where that's not going to fly anymore. And, you know, that has a lot of things that are scary for people. I mean, a lot of people want to hide. A lot of people have things that they want to hide, and I don't know if we can uh, hold that up for too much longer. I think everything... I think a lot of things that have been hidden Mm -hmm. are coming to light. You know what I mean by this kind of inflection point. And that, that just makes me think of what you were saying about, about the bad bosses, you know, as we set up this uh, environment where you didn't have to be authentic Mm -hmm. in your work. (laughs) And I, and you know, that doesn't, that can't last forever. Yeah, absolutely. Because reality is always going to bring authenticity back in your face. You can't avoid it forever or for very long. Yeah.
1: And I think the most forward-thinking mentalities right now are thinking about a globalizing society is becoming more like a beehive, is becoming more and more interdependent. And so even understanding one's own prosperity and survival is like, you have to think, more and more system based, but some a game I like to play is taking that to its to its extreme end it is like what is humanity really trying to do here? It's like we found out that there were more humans on the other side of the world, so then we created ways for humans to go both ways, and then we made forms of communication so without physically going there, you could find out what people were doing on the other side of the world so and then the whole next, you know, the last 200 years for us has been more people farther away, faster. The conclusion that I draw is what we're moving towards is a telepathic super species. We're moving towards the boys. And I think that it's actually okay. I think that, you know, one person is able to have many personalities and points of view within oneself that are conflicting because we have experiences that are conflicting, and only a tiny minority of the population becomes completely dysfunctional and is, you know, insane and can't provide because it's so distracting to have these conflicting points of view. But I think that's something in the human spirit that's not even necessarily the hardware or the wetware. And so I think it's going to be okay. I think that we can think about what would my life be like if I had no secrets from any individual in my species? What would I have to live like to not want to keep anything secret? And how would society have to adjust around me for it to be okay?
0: Yeah, that's big. I mean, it's, you know, that gets into problems with privacy and stuff is and, and, and i don't know the answer to that but i do see a similar thing to what you're saying is our our communication is getting more and more merged into one huge organism more or less you know one big global organism and how are we going to handle if you don't have secrets from anyone else you know or Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying is I think that's that's the weird tension that we will have to figure out if communication reaches that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I
1: think it's just it's a new kind of morality because it's not so much like, can I build my life so that my privacy and the privacy of the people I like are protected? Like, it's kind of like there's no chance like you (laughs) lost that game going in. So then it's just like,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. We might right, It might be so too late for how that how already. How
1: can I make it advantageous for myself and the people around me that I have no privacy? And yeah, it's maybe an unanswerable question. At, at least right now, there's no commonly accepted answer for humanity to that.
0: Yeah. You know, we won't know until we get yeah. there. But, um... Yeah. Ooh,
1: so you are uh in Jacksonville still, is this correct? What is the I am in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville? That's something else I've been asking people. Like when you go when you're when you're making that necessary trip to the grocery store, how's that feel in your particular location?
0: For sure. Man, I just went to the grocery store yesterday and it no. bonded me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, because well it's weird. I just kind of feel like the the state of mind is contagious. Mm. I feel like being around everyone, you can feel the the stress about it, mm. the freaking out about it. You can feel people kinda of get a little squirmy if you're yeah. like within their six feet. Yeah. And uh yeah, I don't know. I guess now since I've been used to staying at home, to be around that was it got me a little bummed out for a couple hours, but, um, but you know, for the most part, Jacksonville is doing okay. It's not, um, it's definitely not dense enough of, there's not enough population density to make it, you know, on the level of a real city. If like, if it was in Chicago or New York where, you know, I'm sure that the rates of transmission are a lot higher because, people are living closer and taking the subways and stuff. Um, I don't know. Nothing here is on, well, I should rephrase that. Most of the restaurants here are still open. They're doing to go orders, but all all those people are still going to work. No one is on an actual quarantine from their home or anything, you know, in in an enforced way. So for me, like I can still go out on a run go out on a bike ride, I can go to Walgreens and get whatever I need, blah blah blah. So a lot of things still have the feeling of normalcy in that way. I mean obviously none of this feels normal, but compared to you know what people are saying about like being in LA or something right now, I'm like, okay, that's a whole different ball game than what it's like in Jacksonville, where it's just kind of like People are thinking about it, you know, <laughs> dealing with it. But, but, um, yeah, I mean, oh, for the most part, it's not too crazy here. It's just kind of in the air, mm-hmm. it's on everyone's mind. And, and I mostly miss the, uh, places we would gather. Uh, the bars I know.
1: People are going to be just gathering and hugging and relishing in it
0: dude i think so so. amazing
1: i just like i because i feel like there was a time in my life where i really hit kind of a peak in my hugging game i was really known and i mean to an extent i'm still known as a good hugger but i just feel like i was more engaged in my hug practice and now not being able to hug anyone i'm like wow you know i should not have been taking it for granted or at least I
0: wouldn't I wouldn't have been taking it for granted in the same way if something like this had
1: already happened. Tell me about it. So yeah, for me it's gonna
0: be a hugging renaissance. Yeah. Dude, for me it's gonna be a renaissance of oh having gosh, gigs again. Yeah. I mean, dude, once once uh once bars and things like that are, are working again, and I hope they are, you know, my mind goes to places of like you know, whip, Will it ever be like it used to be? Obviously, it won't ever be totally like it used to be. I hope that we still can reach a point where people can go out to bars again and go to concerts again and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, but you know, right now it feels so up in the air that I'm, like, not even counting yeah. on that. Well, you well here's know? a fun thought. So
1: really, more than a virological tipping point, it's more of an ideological tipping point. Because it seems to me, from the news yeah. that's gotten to me, that it is worse than the normal flu. And the and the death toll and hospitalizations, like, it's harder to deal with. But it is not proportionately harder uh, to, like, last year's flu response to this year's coronavirus response. Like, there's a huge differential between, you know, remember to wash your hands, it's flu season, and we're shutting down the entire world. You know, that's a huge... So really, there's two stories going on. There's one story that like, hey, you know, we've gotten to the point where global travel and, you know, lots of, you know, uh, climate change, all these things are making it so that these viruses are going to jump species more and more, and it's going to be more, not less. Like, there's a thing that has been happening. We've known about this, but it's like this was the year, the decade, the change where this is now part of our global culture is fighting viruses but i wonder if what this means is like that there's this new global culture that didn't exist before like there was kind of a obviously everybody believes in germs pretty much like you know believing in germs is a global belief there are people who don't but it's a tiny minority but it's like it it wasn't relevant really that it was important quote-unquote, to wash your hands, that it was important to wear masks if you're in certain situations and doing certain things. And so, like, the default cultural things that are local to each country were stronger than that. So, you know, in some countries, the concept of saving face and uh, preserving honor for yourself and your loved ones is a thing. And then in other countries, it's like individualism machismo, it's about me competing rather than collaborating and defeating rather, you know there are these different kinds of modes of existence that are all fine and do coexist because all the nations aren't destroying each other on the world Um, but those were the most important things it's like my national identity first and then thinking about you know, uh, viruses affecting people of other countries later but now it's like The number one like global trend like the biggest fashion trend right now in 2020 is face masks you know you know like that's the biggest trend (laughs) yeah when people think okay 2020 like what does a person from 2020 look like they're wearing a mask that's like what you know that's what a 2020 person looks like you know a, a 1600s person is like wearing tights and some like puffy thing and a cod piece and some, you know, I don't know, some kind of, you know, that's what this person looks like. Someone from the 2020s is afraid of being killed by a virus. (laughs) So that's our, you know, we are (laughs) getting a global culture out of this, just like when we we used to think like, uh, oh yeah, it would take an alien invasion, it would take the whole human race having a common enemy, and this is the whole human race having a common enemy, so who knows what will happen.
0: Yeah, man, dude, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's like the first authentic global yeah, ethos, yeah. in a way. It's not that's not just like the UN is like we believe mm-hmm. in unity among all nations, and you know, there's people that can say stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, never in my life has there seemed to be one thing on the whole planet's mind, right? And I mean. You know, it seems unprecedented in that way. What are we going to do with that—that global mind that feels like it's coming online now?
1: That's a great question.
0: Yeah, hopefully good things. Yeah, definitely good things. Well, okay, so this will be interesting. So
1: I think about uh, ritual magic quite a lot, as I know you do too. And I think about what it really is. And like for me, my magic practice is just this place that more or less exists outside of my culture. Uh, You know, I go to this place where I'm quiet, my breathing is a certain way, you know, I'm not affected in the same way by the slings and arrows of life. And also, by the way, I believe in that space that I have magical powers. And by extension, I believe in every space that I have magical powers. But it's because I have this spot that exists outside of culture. And so it's like what gives it its power is this little secret space outside of culture. So what that means is that sure. there was not really a global culture. Now there is a global culture, which means there will be a global magic, which means there will be practices that exist outside yeah. the global culture, practices that exist in the taboo. And so there's going to be the new mainstream and counterculture is the mainstream. You're wearing masks. Nobody hugs. You sanitize everything. You sanitize your hands you don't do large gatherings, large gatherings are blasphemy, but then there's yeah, really yeah. this magical counterculture of people who are meeting in secret, of people who really you know, don't believe in germ theory, people who think that viruses are actually materials produced by the cell when they're being attacked by poison, these like really, really revolutionary ideas that before 2020 were just weird, yeah. fringy things to think, but after
0: what are those called? Ex- exosomes? Uh,
1: yeah, something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Something like it, that. But I think that I and a lot of people will know way more about it as these two cultures grow. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, and there's a lot to be said for for disease and physical health in general. Being, you know, it's so tied up with mental and spiritual health that's not really a surprise to anybody. But we know that when your mind and your spirit are in better shape. Your immune mm-hmm. system's in better shape, and uh, and so forth. That's that's not my area of expertise, but, um, you know, if even if your state of mind just has an effect on your immune system and your your body's health, which we know it does, then we know that part of not. Being susceptible to diseases oh, has yeah. to do with how you think now we 're cooking <laughs> yeah and and I think I think a lot of people know that already, but I think more and more people are going right. to start knowing yeah, that definitely. i mean the the biggest the biggest point being that the worst thing for your immune system is to be in a state right. of fear, and so everyone that's out there running around freaking out well they're going to be a lot more susceptible to disease because you have your body running on alert mode all the time yeah man
1: immunology becoming the pop culture of the world so interesting yes we're all becoming scientists and medical practitioners in our own small way Cool. well
0: yeah yeah i want to go back to what the thing you were saying about the new the magical counterculture being people that aren't afraid to <laughs> yeah. to meet up with each other <laughs> like that's it
1: oh my gosh yeah so true well we're we're over the the hour finish line so i want to i like to open up the very end to just like do you have do you have a message for the kids for the parents for the for the folks at home just what do you want to on this day hmm. in april of 2020 what you know Get, you've got your your little Tim Ferris. like, if you could put something on a billboard for today.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think without going into too much philosophy, I think the reason we're uh, here is to learn how to make better choices and become wiser and move into higher states. So I guess what I would leave everyone with is that I think our top priority in this has to be not given to fear. Amen. I think, uh, yeah, get that fear out of here. You don't need it. There's nothing to be afraid of. And uh, we all need to stay in oh, that state. Beautiful, well, John,
1: thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your insights.
0: Yeah, thank man, man. great, great talking with
1: you. Mate.